Steve? Yeah, hello. <laughs> Welcome to Gigi in the 561. I have Steve Hibbert with me here today. I'm so honored to have you. Well, that's very kind of you to say. I'm, I'm very happy to be here, and thank you so much for asking me to be on Gigi. Indeed. Yeah, I just well, forgot I, the area code. It's 561. Okay, 561. GG in the 561. I got it now. Yeah, it's just like, what does that even mean? It's like, well, it's my area code. It's not very yeah, deep. I, yeah, there you go. I don't go very deep, you know. It's just well, awesome. hello from the 720. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, first off, I want to um, ask you, I'm in beautiful SoFlo, and you are uh, a transplant to Colorado. How's the weather there today? It's beautiful today. We're having a little burst of early spring, although the weather here is nothing if not mercurial in Denver. And so by tonight, we're supposed to have snow flurries and <gasps> freezing rain. So, oh, but right oh. now, the high is going to be, which is very warm for March in Denver. It's like a weather report. Uh, it's 65 <laughs> degrees. So it's well, uh, I, a lovely, bright, sunny day. This is a... a I've been here three years, and it's it's a beautiful part of the world. I'm very fortunate to be here. It is. Colorado mm -hmm. really is absolutely yeah. very beautiful. We hope to to get back there in the fall whenever we can get out of this thing that we're in right now. Um, yeah, oh, oh this thing, yes, indeed. And hopefully, you know, there are glimmers of hope everywhere, so let's you know. uh, keep our fingers crossed. Oh, absolutely. And to my listeners, I want to introduce this gentleman, uh, Steve Hibbert, who is uh, residing now in Colorado. Uh, had a nearly three-decade-long career as a professional actor, theater director, improv, sketch writing teacher, and as a TV screen writer. He now teaches improv and sketch writing at the Bovine Metropolis Theater in the historic, I probably said that wrong, Larimar uh, Square District of downtown Denver. He got his start in the 80s and early 90s as a performer, writer, later teacher, and director at the justifiably famous breeding ground for comedy, the Groundlings Theater in Yay, LA. Groundlings. Yes. From there, he... Google Groundlings, it's amazing what the alumni is from that, that little uh, theater in, in West Hollywood. The list for that is huge. From there, mm -hmm. he went on to write for Tiny Toons Adventures, Animaniacs, SNL, Mad TV, it's Pat Howie, Mandel, Sunny Skies, Boy Meets World, Random Play, along with a decade-long run, 98 to 09, on the writing staff of the MTV Movie Awards. Steve also did punch-ups and rewrites on a bunch of movie comedies, most notably Austin Powers and Shrek series of films. Your professional acting credits, Steve, include Dr. Ken, Rush Hour, True, Jackson, VP, 20, Good Years, Jericho, I'm almost finished, The Cat in the Hat, Austin Powers 2, Just Shoot Me, and yes, he played the Gimp in Pulp Fiction, and we will get to all of that very, very oh, soon. Dear. But the, the first thing I want to mention now, in in all of my research that I did on you, uh, you were you actually played, I believe it was student number three, on mm -hmm. the Bob Newhart show. Yes, uh, yes, I did. That was actually the very first time uh, I was on a TV show. It was 1986, so it was. A, uh, the amazing National Treasure Bob Newhart show mm -hmm. that took place in Vermont, and uh, yeah, that was my first was my first uh, guest star, as they call it in TV, um, job. And uh, I had like two or three lines, and the the highlight of all of that, besides meeting Bob Newhart, was um, William Wyndham, 
the late great William Wyndham, wow. an actor you, who you recognized yep. instantly if you saw, uh, was uh, the, the actual guest star in that episode. He played the teacher in the scene, and I uh, I was just beyond thrilled because I loved him. And mm-hmm. he had a show called My World and Welcome to It back in the like I think early 70s that I loved as a kid, and so I was just like, oh, wow. So that's my most vivid memory of that, but yeah. thanks, for, thanks, for, thanks for reminding me. Well, <laughs> that was a fun week. He really is an icon. Now, you were actually born in one of my favorite countries, right? Uh, you mm. were born in Fleetwood, England, right? I was born in Fleetwood, England in the county of Lancashire, and... Um, and my family emigrated to Los Angeles when I was six in 1965, or, yeah, 65. And I grew up in the suburbs of L.A., a little town called uh, Tustin, and in Orange County in California. And, uh, yeah, that's where I grew up. But I still have lots of family on my mom's side living in Britain. So, uh, Obviously, in the last few years, haven't been able to get back with all of the mm-hmm. stuff that we're all having to deal with. Yeah. But um, but um, I hope to get back there again in the next few years and uh, see lots of cousins and relations and uh, yeah, I I love I'm you know I love going back there and I've taken my kids there. Obviously, well maybe not obviously, but I have. <laughs> well, it, it's one of my favorite places to visit. Absolutely. Oh, it's a wonderful so place. I... The people are wonderful and. Uh, you're just walking. Like, I always think of like walking around New York City as like walking around in a movie. Um, uh, walking around, yeah, <laughs> walking around England and London specifically, it feels like you're walking through history. You just feel that yeah. sense of like, oh, Charles Dickens hung out on this corner, that kind of feeling wherever you go. It really, it really is, and we can't wait to get back there. So hopefully, yeah. we'll be able to. Do you want to talk let's about? One, let's do that. That's a deal. That's an episode. But you're right about the music because the first time I went to New York City, you're yeah. walking along and you're, you know, it's like where's the background music? I should be doing yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah. Saturday Night Fever comes immediately to mind. I, you know what, Steve? I do want to talk about something that really did, oh. besides your vast, your vast career, and, and wherever they're willing to pay me, wherever they're willing to pay me. <laughs> but this is something that you did for a, a number of years that is uh, is pretty amazing, um, in my opinion. You did. Uh, you worked with something called School on Wheels, and yes. wow, is that something i mean yeah that that was a great uh a greater it is a great organization and i was really proud to be a part of it i i started as a a, a i'll give you a little background on all of that stuff Please. In a minute. uh school on wheels yeah let's start school on wheels is a, a southern california nonprofit that uh gives um that where volunteer tutors work with homeless kids working in shelters or uh, public libraries, wherever they are, where they happen to be. And unfortunately, it's an invisible population. There are, are mm-hmm. People are more aware of it now than they were back in the, uh, when I was doing it about 10 years ago, or less than that. But anyway, um, um, and uh, but there are a lot of homeless kids in this country. And mm-hmm. at the time, when I, at the last stat I recall is about 2015, in uh, L.A. Unified School District, they had identified 42,000 uh, wow. kids who were homeless, uh, K through 12. Uh, 
and um, homeless is defined as either living in cars, uh, with you know, usually with a single mom, or in shelters, or domestic violence shelters, or um, you know wherever they can, you know, garages. I mean, it, it gets pretty grim. But um, the, uh, I was fortunate enough to be a volunteer tutor with them, and then a volunteer tutor coordinator. So worked with them for a number of years, and. It's an amazing experience, and I can say without exception, over I want to. I worked probably with about one-on-one about five dozen, probably more kids over the course of those six years, and all of them were remarkable people. And they, I worked for, with kindergartners through uh, seniors in high school, and the things that they had to live with and go through, you obviously wouldn't wish on any soul in the world. Yeah. Yeah. But they were, yeah, it's a bit of a cliche, but it's true. Kids are remarkably resilient. They are. And uh, the the genius of School on Wheels is what you do as a volunteer tutor. You volunteer to meet with them for an hour or two every week at a certain specific time in a certain specific public place. Like I said, it could be a, a you know, a Barnes & Noble, a, a library, wherever, wherever there's a table and light. And... Uh, <laughs> And you meet with them for an hour or two a week and a regular scheduled time. And part of the thing that was so uh, grounding and wonderful for the kids for that, first of all, you help them with homework and stuff, but also you just you showed them that you can be a responsible adult and that you will always be there every Tuesday afternoon at 5 o'clock to help them out to the best of your abilities. And because they had led such chaotic lives, um, that was like, you mean you'll always be here every Tuesday at five o'clock? And you know, it was like almost unheard of for so many of these kids, not all of them, but for a lot of these kids. So it's a wonderful thing. School on Wheels. Yes, absolutely. Well, I want to 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 mention that before we hang up. So if people want to give, um, they certainly can. Oh yeah, schoolonwheels.org. Uh, like I said, they do remarkable work. They've had to modify what they do a great deal over the last mm. year or so of this yeah. COVID-19 pandemic. But other than that, they're, they're still out there uh, supplying kids with backpacks, you know, new backpacks, school supplies, uh, donated laptops. Uh, they just do so much um, good work. Filling such a tremendous need. I just, when I, I read all about that, and I, I said, you know, I Oh, I'm so glad you followed up on that. Uh, no, oh, uh, and thank yeah. you for doing so, you know. Yeah, it was fun, you know, hanging out with Mike Myers, working on all the powers or something. But the stuff that is really remarkable and that I am proud of, uh, besides my three amazing kids, right. is working with School on Wheels. So thank you for mentioning that. Oh, of course. Yeah, uh, cool. Now, let's talk about uh-huh. your career. Um, oh, I loved what I read. I did a lot of research. I read Vulture and The Beat. Several things, people that had spoken to me. One of the things that I just love your humor. Uh, you said of all the things that you ever would do, and I'm paraphrasing. This is not a direct quote mm-hmm. from you. Uh, even if you cured some major disease, that it would still say uh, that Steve Hibbert, uh, you know, uh, who played the game and cured mm-hmm. this. You know, at the end of your days, I thought that was was really hilarious. But I do have yeah, to no, tell you. I mean, go yeah. ahead. No, no, I was going to say, yeah, no, I, you know, I, I've managed to cobble together a nice little career and now semi-retired, but, um, you know, I'm proud of a lot of the things I, I was associated with and worked on. But, yeah, The Gimp, because it's in such an iconic film, Pulp yeah. Fiction, 
And that yeah. scene in particular is very creepy and scary and, and mm-hmm. notable. Um, and I'm totally invisible in the scene. Yeah. <laughs> it's still the, uh, I'm not totally, I'm underneath all that leather gear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, the, the gimp actually has two different meanings in, in the world because okay. there's, there's one where if you are, you have sort of a bad leg and you're kind of limping yeah. and, you know, it, but, but that's not what it meant in Pulp Fiction. That's no. the, <laughs> with your character. Definitely yeah. was not. And my son, who's very much grown, huge fan of Pulp Fiction, um, we text a lot. He's busy, I'm busy, and so we text a lot. And he's pretty good, you know, about getting back to me pretty quickly. But sometimes it's a, it, it takes a while. So I oh, believe me, I, as the dad of two daughters and a son, I know exactly. Yeah. It's like, okay. can we talk on the phone someday? No, we text dad. <laughs> talk on the phone? I'm crazy. Yeah, what's um, that? <laughs> exactly. Oh, you're so old school. But uh, I, I, in this case, when I, I was so pleased and honored that you agreed to be a guest, and so I oh. texted him that uh, you were going to be a guest. And, uh, I mean, it was like almost before I could even, you know, <laughs> he texted me back, I want to read you. I'm paraphrasing what he said because he used some salty language. He was so excited. Just, OMG, that's amazing. He's one of the most famous characters in modern movie history. That's great. Aww. He was, he, yeah, he was so thrilled. Well, he's but absolutely right. He, he is, and there's, there, there are gimp uh, action figures. You're, the, oh, that yeah. Characters on but I, I loved when you talk, have talked about it in the past, um, how you received a message on an answering machine. It's uh, oh, tell yeah. us a little bit about, uh, about that process of getting that role of the okay. gimp. And if people, if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm sorry, because you, you should know and yeah. uh, about this character. Well, very yes, famous Go character. check out Pulp Fiction because it's, yeah. it's one of the, it, your son is absolutely right, it's one of the best films of the last 40 or 50 years or so, indeed. Yeah. It was and a also, watershed film, period. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, every decade has one of those movies, you know, like you might want to say, uh, uh you know, Jaws for the 70s or yeah. something, and Raging Bull for the 80s. And I, I think a good a good argument could be made for the 90s. It's it's Pulp Fiction. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, very proud to be a part of that. And how I came about was I, I was actually friends with Quentin Tarantino, the writer and director of the film, incredibly talented man. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were basically movie going geeks. We would go to the New Beverly Cinema, and, and you know a screening of Stagecoach or something. And uh, uh, at one point, he, you know, this was during the pre-production of Pulp Fiction, he had given me the script to read, and I could tell even from the page, which doesn't always happen with screenplays, that, oh, this is going to be an amazing film. And he said, hey, Steve, why don't you, because uh, he called me Steve. <laughs> I like that. And, and now I'm getting to talk to you. <laughs> why don't you come down and audition for the gimp part? It'll be, a, it'll be a hoot. He knew I was an improviser and an actor as well as a friend and writer. And I said, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. So I went down. We auditioned together. He played like my master. The gimp is like a, a, a slave in a bizarre S&M uh, triangle, and I don't want to give too much away about no, the movie. No, no, don't. But anyway, anyway, so we we acted out this little scene where he ordered me around, and I I knew next to nothing about S and M S and M world, but I did know that oh, if he's my master, I have to be you know obsequious and you know toadying around him and 
bent over and stuff. So I did all that kind of stuff. And uh, by the time I got home, uh, this is in the old days in 1993, uh, I, there was a message on the machine, hey, you got the part, let's do it. All right. So uh, I got the part. And it was a three-day shoot, and it was amazing to work with those actors. You know, it's Bruce Willis and Ving Rhames and uh, Wayne Whitaker and Peter Green, all terrific actors. And, uh, you know, it was it was an amazing, amazing, what's the word they were saying, project to be a part of. And it really was. And, and uh, it was a very arduous, you know, shoot because it was a very mm-hmm. grim scene. And yeah. I was wrapped up in this leather outfit from head to toe, yeah. and then also Quentin uh, um, wanted me to be a little puffier and pudgier, so I wore a little mini fat suit underneath it, so uh, oh, <laughs> under all the hot lights, the leather, oh, and the fat suit, I lost about 10, 15 pounds over the course of the, the three-day wow. shoot. Wow. Oh, my. Yeah, I was, yeah, and thank God there were like a little shower in my little trailer dressing room, because I would just shower afterwards yeah. for... Half an hour, well, and, and Bruce Willis was also, and all of the actors you had said in prior interviews, was, they were pretty considerate of the fact that oh, you yeah. were in this leather head to toe and, <laughs> yeah. you know, try to prompt people, come on, let's, let's move it. Yeah, 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 oh, yeah, they were really cool and, and uh, well, everyone knew they were in, you know, obviously everyone by that, at that point had read the script and knew they were and knew that Quentin was an, an alarmingly talented filmmaker, mm-hmm. yeah. and we were part of a really cool thing. And so it was, and everyone, it was favorite nations, you know, you know, everyone got paid the same amount of money because everyone just wanted to be in it. They didn't yeah. worry about the payday of it. And it, so it was a really cool thing to be a part of. And I remember at the end of the uh, of those three day shoot, uh, Bruce Willis had everyone, uh, all the other actors cleaning or truly come over to his you know swanky personalized cool custom built trailer and we all had gin and tonics as the sun was going down and it a beautiful southern california evening in culver oh. city it's a, it was a lovely it's a lovely memory and we're all just like oh man people are gonna you know gonna just freak out over the scene good job you know <laughs> we were all like yeah. little boys proud of being so naughty and fun and and you know just everyone was at the top of their game and, and it was just it was a, it, yeah, it's a, I still get a warm glow remembering that day. Well, it, it truly is an iconic film, and, and your, mm-hmm. your part is just, I mean, it really is uh, just one of those that, will, you know, you're right. My son is right. It, it's it's uh, truly, truly uh, an iconic scene, and, and tough, too. But mm-hmm. Oh, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a yeah. brutal scene, and so... Uh, yeah. If you don't like scary movies or something, I I pass. But uh, but if you like if you love cinema, it, it's well worth a shot. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Now another thing you did that's much more lighthearted than that, but it mm-hmm. also caught my attention because I'm a total tourist geek when I travel, and mm-hmm. I have done so many tours when I when I've been in Hollywood and LA area and you were a tour guide and that was, I was. <laughs> you gave you because you know a lot of the history of Yeah, of I'm Los a huge Angeles. I'm a huge cinema buff. So yeah. um so I took a little part time job as a tour guide uh with the this tour company in Hollywood and uh yeah I just loved it. It was like, oh this is so much fun. I get to share my knowledge of of uh, 
Hollywood history and, and LA history in general, you know, as we, we bust down Sunset Boulevard and Hollywood Boulevard and and uh, all of these, you know, famous places. And it wasn't a movie star homes tour, one of those. It was really a historic spot in in and around Hollywood. And it was a blast. I really enjoyed doing that. What you were have some of the done places? your research. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Some of the best places Well, there? Uh, we, we, we drove past like Paramount Studios, which is a, one of the older studios yeah. in Hollywood now. I think it was built in like the late 20s. It's expanded a great deal, obviously, since the first days it opened with just a few sound stages. But, uh, you know, all the stories associated with Paramount and all the, you know, in fantastic movies from the Marx Brothers to all the Billy Wilder films to Chinatown. Yeah, I mean, Paramount's just like an amazing, they call movie factory, right? And, uh, nice. and it continues to be in all kinds of great TV shows were filmed there from is the is the Desi Lou? Do you, do you know if the Desi, Desi Lou was right there? Is it still? Yeah, it's, it, can you? Is it like separate or is that all together? No, now? It, it, well, it no, it was at Paramount and Desi Lou. Within a year or two of I Love Lucy, they moved to their own studio on um, Coenga, about a mile. Look at me! I'm so in my tour guide mode right now. I about love a mile, it. yeah, west of, of Paramount uh, Studio. Now that's called well, what's called Renmar Studio. At the time, it was Disney Lou Studios, but um, it's now called Renmar or I know Red. I think it's called Red Studios on Coenga. Oh, okay. But uh, Disney Lou was also where um, the Andy Griffith show was filmed, and the, the my favorite show of all time, Dick Van Dyke show. Me, so, my uh, mm-hmm. well, Paul Reiner was such a genius oh, yeah. with that. Total oh. genius. But um, but yeah, they they moved there, but they started right at at Paramount. So, uh, but the place to see where most of the I Love Lucy's and all of these other great, subsequently great shows were filmed is at a Little Red Studios on uh, on Coenga, uh, just north of Melrose. Yeah. What's if so, you if you're a tourist there and you land at Hollywood and Highland that area, mm-hmm. what are or even anywhere? What is the one thing that you would need? Say you don't have much time. You're there on business, and you just need you want to see one something iconic Hollywood thing. What is your well? I would I would I would actually take a studio tour. They all offer tours. Oh, uh, Warner Brothers okay. does, Paramount does, Fox does, uh, Universal famously does. But um, they all they all offer tours, and the best ones to take are like the 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 Paramount or the Warner Brothers ones. Because they're usually you have to book way in advance, and who knows what they are with COVID right now. But yeah. when things return to some sort of normalcy, they're usually about you know uh, half a dozen to a dozen people on the tour itself, and they're very cool about behind the scenes stuff. And I, I would do if I would, and they're usually you know a few hours in an afternoon. I would if I'm only in LA for a short time, I would take a studio, one of the small studio tours. And specifically at, at Paramount or Warner Brothers. Okay, that's really good to know. That's my tip. That's my tip. <laughs> um, I want to talk just very briefly about the ground lanes because yeah. that played such a huge part. It has played such a huge part uh, in your life. Mm-hmm. And I like the number one rule of the ground lanes, which is mm-hmm. being the present. And I think that is crucial for all of us, no matter what. Being the present. Oh. What else? What else have you got? But being the present. And I really. 
I, I read that and I said, you know what, that should just be emblazoned on something for everyone. In all of our lives. Yeah, mm-hmm. if we can all attain that, mm-hmm. that, that being in the moment yeah. presence in all of our lives, we, uh, we get a lot more done, I'm sure of it. But yeah. I, I think, uh, yeah, the Groundlings, you know, is an improv sketch comedy uh, theater that's been around since the early 70s. I started taking classes there in the early 80s. And, um, yeah, those rules are really important. All the rules of improv, which are always maintaining eye contact, listening, yes and, never no but. It's always building scenes together. And that's how great improv works. It's just, like you, you said, being present in the moment and, have, and, and following those rules. And then all of a sudden... You've created a great little three-minute scene with someone. It, it, it's a it's a magical thing. I, I love being a part of the Groundlings and you know being a part of their main company as a writer and performer and later as the director. And uh, yeah, the Groundlings was a, a, an amazing place to. And and frankly, almost all of my work, uh, paying work, professional work, uh, with a few exceptions, happened because of people I met and worked with at the Groundlings who went on to do other things as well. So. Yeah, the Groundlings yeah. is it. And it's where I met my first wife, uh, first of two ex-wives, hi, um, but Julia Sweeney, the actress mm-hmm. and writer, performer. Uh, she and I met there, fell in love, got married, uh, went on to SNL together where I, I uh, you know, co-wrote sketches with her uh, at SNL. And um, yeah, so obviously I, the Groundlings are a huge part of my life and continue to be so whenever I'm in LA and Whenever live shows can happen again, I'll always go there and do. They have a, a show on Thursday nights, the alumni show, ah. uh, which is you know doing just sketch uh, improv uh, with other people who've been in the Groundlings, and uh, you know a lot of famous people pop in and do those, as well as people like yours truly. So it's I would love fun. to see you there if if yeah. ever it oh, were possible. That would be so oh, fun. Yeah, yeah um, it was a super the, the the meaning for the Groundlings that that term. People may not. They may. They may. They may not. It has a. It's a Shakespearean uh, yeah. sort of of, of uh, moniker. Yes, it is. It comes from the the the, the people who uh, couldn't afford expensive tickets to see a play at the Globe Theater. They would uh, stand or sit on the ground, so they were known. As, that part of the audience was known as the groundling. So, I, th- I thought that was such a cool, such yeah. a cool connection to, to theater yeah. Uh, yeah. in that way that maybe people don't understand. You have been so gracious to spend this time with me, and I always oh, tell everyone we'll try to do a half hour, and I really do try to keep it that way. But is oh, there I... anything else that we need to know that my listeners need to know that we've not touched <laughs> on? No, uh, just that you know I feel very fortunate to have cobbled together, like I said, I think. Uh, uh, three-decade-long career plus in show business, and it was, uh, you know, it's an incredibly difficult uh, trench to try to furrow, and, uh, you know, I feel lucky that I made a living, that I have a pension from it now, uh, that I, yeah, all of those things, and and, uh, uh, I I guess I just want to publicly state how grateful I am for all the wonderful people uh, I met and worked with, and uh, many of whom are still a part of my life. And um, I want to thank you for the opportunity for letting me share a few few moments from that. Uh, Steve, this that. has been so much fun. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you thank so much. You. You've been such a gracious and informative and fun. 
fun oh, guest. Cool. Well, Absolutely. thank you, and and give my, and thank you for mentioning School on Wheels again, and uh, and I wish you nothing but the best, and everyone listening to this, all the best, and to stay healthy, and to uh, yes. just keep on keeping on. That's yeah, that's right. <laughs> be in the present and uh-huh. do what you can for others. Thanks again. Mm-hmm. Steve Hibbert has Thank been you. our guest today, and we appreciate that so much. On Gigi, that's me in the 561. You can always find these podcasts on NorthPalmBeachLife.com. You know it's more than just about life in the Palm Beaches. We have a lot of things here. These podcast interviews are always there, as well as on iTunes, Pandora, Spotify, and too many platforms to mention on this podcast. I thank you all, as always, so very much, as well as my wonderful guest today, Steve Hibbert, for being on GG in the 561. So stay tuned.